after the sermon yet. Actually, this is a better sermon than what I got here. But anyway, uh, no, it's not. I'm going to give you all the foundations of why we can think that way now, all right? So uh, let's look at Isaiah chapter 52. I want to talk about the benefits of knowing Jesus. So Isaiah 52, 53 is how Jesus, prophesying how Jesus, 700 years Isaiah's prophesying in advance. He's telling us how Jesus is going to change the earth and change our lives, right? And this is Isaiah writing 700 years before it happened. Isn't it amazing? And I want to read these verses because they speak of the, the present and the future. They speak of past, present, and future. It was prophesied it would be that way. It happened. And then the outcome is still being played out. So let's start with uh, uh, Isaiah 52, verse 13. See, my servant will act wisely. Now he's talking about Jesus. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Now he's writing this 700 years ago, before Christ. Just as many were who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being. So you want to know what Jesus went through? His appearance was so disfigured. He wasn't just a little beat up. He was completely beat up. He was completely disfigured. He was mutilated, right? That, maybe that's too strong a word, but I'm not sure. It says his form marred beyond human likeness. I think that, think, let that sink in for a moment. So when they beat him, it wasn't just kind of a beating. It, his appearance was marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. I, I like so much this whole thing, the, the Chosen movies. I don't know how you guys have been watching that on YouTube. It's awesome, because it gives me like that picture of what he was as a human, right? That helps you a little bit. And they've portrayed it so well. I highly recommend that if you haven't seen any of that. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. I like that line, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. That's why you can always cast your cares on Jesus. He understands. He went through it. He was familiar with pain. Not just at the cross, but in his whole life. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And he's familiar with your pain. He understands you. He knows you. His heart's with you. He understands what it was to be a human being. He understands your pain intimately, having been one of us. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. His whole generation thought he was cursed. He was stricken. He, he wasn't who he was. He said he was. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was, crushed, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. That word peace is a powerful word. It's the word shalom. And it's not that we just have inner tranquility. Peace has a broader word. It has to do with uh, calm in your body, calm in your mind, calm in your finances, calm in your children. Uh, it's a large word. The word shalom means uh, when they would greet each other, shalom. They're saying, God bless you. May, may the peace of God be in this and that. May God, another way of saying, God bless you in every area of your life. It was a to total word, right? So the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are all healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. 
And as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence nor any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring, that would be you and I, all the way down into the 21st century, you and I, all through these centuries and those ahead. He will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. In other words, there's a purpose to all this. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. Isn't it weird? This guy is writing this 700 years before it happened. By his knowledge, my servant, righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. In other words, he stood in the gap for them. He, he took their place. That was intercession. That means that's what you do. You, you identify so strongly. You, 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 you go, go so closely, so connected to the one you're praying for, the one you're, you're helping, right? And so he did that. He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So when Jesus came, he was fully aware of the needs we have and what must be done. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my servant will justify many. He understood what had to be done so that we could be connected, so that we could actually live with God forever and ever. Jesus was righteous and fully acceptable. God appointed him to the task of making us okay. See, without God can't dwell with sin, even one sin. He'd be alienated from God forever and ever. So he had to make a way. So he sent Jesus in this particular way to make it so that we could be close, so that we could come close, so that we could be fully acceptable to God. Jesus identified himself personally with us and with our weakness. He volunteered to die for us, and in the process lost both his life and his reputation. Isn't that interesting? Therefore, it says, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. He was, he was thought of as a criminal, completely and totally humiliated. In public, in front of all, right? A few days earlier, they're singing Hosanna, Hosanna, and then he's killed like a, crom- a common criminal, mutilated. Could even recognize his face, hung on that cross for us. So Jesus acted as our mediator and our intercessor, which he even does today. Not only did he take our place so that we could come to God, but also he didn't stop. He keeps praying for us. He keeps interceding for us. He, he, he lives to make intercession for us. That's why it's so powerful that you can pray. That's why it's so important that we understand that we can pray, that we can uh, uh, ask him for things, because he's right along there with us. He's not in a, you know, it's not like he, he's out there somewhere and we have to sort of turn his arm, you know to get attention. He's already in that motion. So we just join his intercessory motion that's already moving along. And somehow or another, God likes it so much that we get to be with him in this. He likes the whole process. He didn't. He wants us involved with what he's doing. So he gives us invitation at the table through what he did so that we could be a part of his intercession. He, have you noticed that? So we can see these things as cosmic things that are all completely done. But actually, all this was done through all generations, including your children, would have an invitation. It's an invitation to work alongside God in the midst of your troubles and your trials. I like this 
man, uh, J. Alec Motier, who, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but he wrote this, the most famous commentary on Isaiah, probably out there. And uh, it's dramatic commentary, because Isaiah was this incredibly prophetic words that are still being played out today. What a remarkable passage. And um, so in this whole concept of Jesus acting as our mediator and intercessor, he says this, The Lord put his servant in between, using him as a means of disposing of that, our iniquity, which alienated him from us. Here the servant comes voluntarily to stand with us, so that when he had borne our sins, he might bring us to God. Now the thing is, the good news about this is not only does he bring us to God and this spiritual relationship that long lasts our life, after we live this life, we step into eternity with him, which is the best news of all. But there is a heritage of the servants of the Lord. What he did on the cross is our heritage. I, I, I like those words, heritage. And um, I want to just read these verses about our heritage. Here's our heritage. Here, here's what we get. Not all of what we got. There's just I just want to take this little glimpse in Isaiah chapter 54. Listen to this. All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. So the result of 53... Isaiah 53, is played out in Isaiah 54. Okay? So what he did on the cross is 53. 54 is what you get as a benefit from the cross. And there's all kinds of benefits. So Isaiah 54 is one of the most dramatic passages in the whole Bible. Here it goes. Here's your heritage. It's what was bought by that humiliating, horrible death on the cross a couple of thousand years ago. All, and isn't it amazing, that cross, what he did, was the focal point of all history. So all those that preceded the cross by faith were justified. And all those that follow the cross by faith are justified. In other words, by believing in the very things that we're, we're t- talking about, by trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you know, when you do that, when you do that attitude, when you make that step uh, to do that, and all of us are at different journeys on that. But when we finally make that step and say, I want to trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to receive Him. It's amazing. The Spirit of God comes. And then He inhabits the inside of you. And then the adventure starts. And the adventure is in the heritage that you have. All the things that He bought. These promises. And here, when, I like this one. So, all your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. Jesus bought that at the cross. You know, I thought the Spirit just tell me this, right? I mean, I don't want to be too super spiritual, but I'm going to be super spiritual. I just want to do this right now. Thank you, Lord. That meaning, that scripture is meaningful to you. All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. Stand right up right now. God, I take this passage right now. For all those kids that are on a walkabout, all those kids that we're worried about, all the ones that haven't quite found you yet, all the ones that are having trouble or difficulty or in some issue, Lord, I declare this promise over us. The benefits of knowing Jesus is that all our children will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. And I like that shalom. May the shalom of God be on your children. May God's peace be on you. May God track you down, hunt you down, fill you with His Spirit in every way. And even the little ones, even the ones this high, I pray in advance for them that they would all be taught of the Lord and great would be their peace. In Jesus' name. And for the little ones, also help them sleep at night. Amen. Okay. I threw that one in. Wow. What a passage. Uh, Great will be their peace. Look at verse 14. In righteousness 
you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. Now, wait a minute. It feels a little scary right now, doesn't it? <laughs> in the season that we're in, anybody feel a little tyranny in the air? <laughs> a little terror and stuff? Okay, so this is really important right here. Because we as believers are different. You notice that? God treats us different. We're sons of the Most High God. There are things that we should be inheriting and be believing and actually receiving and experiencing. Right? So here's the promise. Okay? There may be tyranny over here. There may be tyranny over there. But tyranny for us will be far from us. We have nothing to fear. Wow, there it is again. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. I declare over you, you have nothing to fear. Vaccination or no vaccination, you have nothing to fear. The controversy around all of that and all the other controversies, listen, in the end, terror will be far removed from the saints. Tyranny will be far from you. You have nothing to fear. So we need to walk like people that have nothing to fear. I tell you what, every once in my life, I've been around uh, some crazy risk takers. And I'm looking like seven or eight of you right now. You know, things that you've done that I never would have done or I have admired in the distance, right? They seem to have this one down. Uh, tyranny, we, you have nothing to fear. And we sort of admire them in a way. Matter of fact, in our culture, we admire that, right? Risk takers. It's actually part of our culture, part of our, our, our way of life, actually. It's built deep in that people take risks. We admire people that taste, take risks. But listen, in Jesus, you have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. And look at this scripture, Romans chapter 8. God caused all things to work together for good. How how many things is that? All. You know, you just read the word, and if you just stop and believe it for a moment, it freaks you out a little bit, doesn't it? God caused all things to work together for my good, for them to love the Lord, to call according to his purpose. I'm looking across here. All kinds of people are called according to his purpose, right? So you have nothing to fear. It doesn't mean terror won't be there. It doesn't mean that tyranny won't be knocking at your door. But you, because of what Jesus did, the heritage of the servants of the Lord, you have nothing to fear. So we need to walk like it and talk like it and move about in our culture like it. That doesn't mean we need to be arrogant. It just means we need to be secure, all right? And if some interpret that as arrogance, well, that's on them. But... uh, Still, this is the place. This is the space. We were bought for a price like this. We just have it inside of us. We cannot help be like this if we walk closely with the Lord. He makes us so brave. I, you know, and, and sometimes I, I, I'm like during this crisis, I told you, I, I, I took it for our church as a signal to go really fast. <laughs> That's how I interpreted the times. And, and I know it, it, for some of you, it may have sounded strange, you know, or even crazy, you know, but we move really quick. We're moving at lightning speed right now. We've been doing this for a year now, moving, moving, changing, rearranging, revamping, renewing, getting ready for the next wave already. We saw it as an opportunity, and it is, and I know there's suffering and pain and there's stuff, but listen, we're the saints. Tyranny's far from us. And there's an opportunity here for inserting great things and doing amazing stuff. Because all things are working together for our good. I hate it when people retreat. I hate it when people run. This is not a time to run and retreat and conserve. It's a time to move forward. You must understand the season and the time. Be careful of the decisions you make. And anything that's got the spirit of fear in it, 
watch it. Be careful. Fear has nothing to do with us. It's from, it, it, I think there's caution and so on, but this fear that I feel in the air, and even with believers, it'll send you down the wrong road. It will absolutely mess your life up. Just wait. Just watch. Things are unfolding before us already. It's happening. I've been watching my friends and people and stuff. I've been watching, uh, especially in some of the places that are really practical in our lives, in the prayer meetings and things. I've been noticing some of you are on a scale of promotion like never before. We, I'm noticing this. I'm, I, I, this is not like, oh, I hope that happens. I'm, not, I'm telling you. Um, because, you know what? When you're courageous, you can see opportunity and take it. If you're always cringing in fear and waiting for the, the, you know, the next thing to fall on you, that's where most of the world is in. Oh, my gosh. I see the feet coming. I just run around them, and run, <laughs> tripping them up, whatever we have to do. But I see other feet, God's feet, bought for me by Jesus, his pathway. That's what I mean. All right. Good job. I like that. So here, verse 15, if anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. Whoa, really? We know the source of every bad circumstance. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. That's what was bought for you at the cross. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. Even your next door neighbor. I say that very publicly. I was looking at a couple of people. No weapon forced against you will prevail. You will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the service of the Lord. This is their vindication from me. Wow, what a verse. No weapon forced against you will prevail. Wow. Are you kidding this? Are you feeling this? This verse 17 is a pivotal verse. Until verse 17, the Hebrew word for servant in the book of Isaiah is always single. Now it's plural, meaning us. It's the heritage of the servants of the Lord. So the thing turns. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is all of us that walk with God. Heritage describes the reality of possession, not, a, not the way in which property is required. The, the word translated as vindication in the NIV is actually the word righteousness. So this is their righteousness for me, the heritage is, is the reality of possession. This is our reality. This is what we get to experience. This is our reality. There's the world's reality, and then there's all our reality bought for us at the cross. Wow. These are timely words, aren't they, for now? Isn't it amazing? The benefits of knowing Jesus. So I thought I'd turn to Psalm 103, and um, I just love this psalm so much. And I just want to requ- uh, just go through the benefit list, you know? You know, when you sign up for a program, you know, a hotel room, <laughs> whatever. You want to know, what do I get for all this? What's, what do I get for my investment? A house, you know. I want to know what the benefits. What, what do I get out of this contract? You know, I'm going to go. And I, I see lots of people. It's so crazy. So many people are changing uh, professions and, uh, and all of that. And, and, and for some areas of our economy, the professional change is really amazing. So I'm listening to some of, the, uh, some of the young people talk and some other people are changing jobs and I'm listening to them and like they're getting offered this stuff and I'm going, what in the world? You're going to take that, right? And say, yeah, I think I'll wait a little longer. I think I can get some more. I'm, Whoa, okay. Because this is like a, one of those times because there are certain sectors of our economy that desperately need something that we have to offer, right? 
And so it's, it's amazing, remembering all God's benefits. So I think that's what we should be like. We should, when we remember all God's benefits, don't think of God as a stingy person who just, you know, barely ekes out a blessing here and out there. Don't mistake your, your hardship for God's attitude or heart toward you. The hardship's from the other side. Remember that? <laughs> that one. Who's trying to impose his will, his demonic will, with his world system on you, right? But that's not our inheritance. So I love Psalm 103 so much. These are good passages to read over one, more than once or twice, okay? And so the Isaiah 53, uh, 52, 53, 54, those passages, those are all about us, our age, our time. Those are prophetic words about what Jesus, Jesus would come and Messiah would buy, what he would purchase for us on the cross, and prove that he could purchase. How did Jesus prove he could purchase all this good stuff? He resurrected from the dead. If the devil could have kept him dead in a way, that would be one thing, but he turned up again three days later. Right? And then the adventure began. And all this stuff had been played out through all the generations, hasn't it? Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. That's what we were doing a minute ago. It's good to do that, isn't it? It's just so wonderful. I love to pray. Thank you, Chris. That was awesome. Thank you, Ben. You, you helped us do what we all wanted to do anyway, right? So we don't know about the sermon, but I tell you, the worship was awesome. <laughs> Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. And forget not all his benefits. So the Bible right there has commanded you not to forget his benefits, which is really easy to do in a time like this, right? Who forgives all, I have the word uh, all underlined here, all your sins and then heals all your diseases. What an amazing thing. What an amazing promise there. The benefits purchased for us on the cross, forget not its benefits. Because Jesus, the ultimate healing has happened. And when he say heals all your diseases, he's not only talking about your outside, but your inside. Right now there's tremendous controversy and tremendous sorrow over mental illness and issues. So this is included in the whole thing. He heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. <laughs> I like that. Who redeemed your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Isn't that beautiful? He puts a crown of, of love and compassion. Put your crown on. Don't act like you don't have a crown. <laughs> right? And, and when you get your eyes on what the enemy is doing, you, you lose that whole sense. But you're different. You're crowned with love and compassion. I've been redeemed from the pit. You know the pit. Oh, yes, that ultimate hell. Yes. But how about all the other pits? There's a few around. Have you noticed? So he redeems you from those pits. I don't care what disease. I don't care what the new thing is. I don't care what. I don't care what the who's in power. I don't care what. I, as a saint, am redeemed from the pit, and I am crowned. I'm just sitting there with a crown on my head. The whole church is. You know what? It's amazing. We have this love and compassion is a crown. We need to wear our crowns a little bit more. Be a little happier, right? That's what we are crowned with. So the enemy is trying to talk us out of our crown. But I'm not leaving my crown. I'm going to keep my crown right on there. How about you guys? Ooh, I, I really like this uh, verse, these verses here. He crowns you with uh, love and compassion. who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Wow. Isn't that amazing? I'm just going to read through these verses. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, 
much of our walk with the Lord, much of our battle in the Lord is believing that one thing, that God is actually compassionate and gracious, especially when evil things are happening and bad things are happening. We must hold on to this. Because just like the seasons change, seasons will change. This too will pass, and you'll, God will once again prove to you His compassion and grace. you know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to get ahead of the curve this time. <laughs> and not wait a year from now to see, wow, how, God, how good God was. I'm trying to see it right now and live in it right now. Because I waste a lot of time and make a lot of dumb decisions. If I don't. Because this is God's nature. So no matter what I'm in, what, what position I'm in, the Lord's compassionate and gracious all the time. He notices my business. He knows about my life. He knows about my family. He knows about my health. It doesn't catch him by surprise. And by nature, he's compassionate and gracious. And he's slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. I really like that one. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. What? What? Wait, 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 wait. Let's go back to that again. Well, how, how high would the heavens be above the earth? How, how do you even measure that? That's like infinity or whatever, you know. I mean, it goes beyond the atmosphere into space. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. That's the one on your side. Actually, the one that even made the earth. He's the one that's on your side. Wow. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Okay. So sometimes we make mistakes. All you have to do is confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That means as far as the east is from the west, that's how far it is away from you. Stop wearing condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, God, I did it. And I really did it spectacularly. I failed miserably. I own every bit of it. So funny, we get caught in between, you know. Like people, well, maybe that wasn't quite so bad what I did, you know, because I did this and that time. You know, no, don't want to go there. No, I did it. I, I did a belly flop. I did it. It was really bad. It stunk to high heaven. You didn't like it. And I ended up not liking it. I thought I was going to like it. I didn't like it. Right? <laughs> but listen, as far as the east is from the west, he's removed my transgressions from me. I'm clear and clean. And I'm ready to do business with God. Oh, sometimes we think, well, while I did that thing, there's going to be some little corner time or some rest time or some you know, punishment time or whatever. Well, you may go through some of that, but I don't think you should keep that in your heart. If God wants to restrict you, there may, maybe you have to you know, eat some of the consequences. Fine, that's okay. But that's not his intent. His intent is to take you, move you further, and move you on, right? One of the worst things to do is, is, I think we can do is not only make the mistake, that's the bad thing, but then wallow in your mistake is maybe even a worse mistake. Because, see, the enemy tempted you. You fell into it. You were stupid. Yeah. But listen, don't let him have any more victory over your life. He's removed the transgressions. If he's moved the transgressions, that means it's time to move ahead. Okay, God, I blew it. I'll make amends, whatever I need to do to make it right, as far as, as, far as it's dependent on me, but I'm ready to move on. Because this verse is following. I love this verse so much. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Some of you have children that aren't doing well, or away from the Lord or whatever, and you have all this compassion. Maybe it'll mix with a languor sometimes too, but in the end, compassion. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. Wow. I'm a son. I'm a real daughter. I'm beloved. 
Just think of that time when your little baby came out, you know, your child, you know, out of the womb. What was that like, you know? What was that experience? My youngest took a swing at Dr. Sears. I said in my heart, he's going to be a soldier. And then he became a Marine. I couldn't believe it. And I did never told him that word either. Never. I didn't want him to be a Marine, right? But I guess. Anyway. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he, I don't know why I said all that. But anyway. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Yes. We are dust. He understands the humility of our situation. The life of mortals. And then he emphasizes. Like grass, they flourish like a field of flower, a flower in the field. The wind blows over it and is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting. This is amazing. From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him and His righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep His covenant and remember to obey His, His precepts. Wow. His righteousness to your children's children. That's your promise for your kids. You love God, and God's going to look after your kids and those kids after, right? This experience you're having with the love. Isn't that an amazing promise? His promise extends to uh, your children and your children's children. Uh, I just love this so much. It's just so incredibly powerful. Before I move on from there, I'm going to finish with this last G point here, but I want to just take a moment about this crowning with love and compassion. Psalm 103, uh, verses 4, uh, right right there when he starts that whole thing. But that is... uh, I want to, where am I? I lost my place here. I want to go back. I got to go back to this one little space here. It's so important. Verse 4. Oh, there it is. Verse 4. Redeems your life from the fit and he crowns you with love and compassion. All right. So I just got to make a little note about this. This is really, really important because, okay, so I'm wearing my crown. I'm walking around. I'm crowned with love and compassion. Yeah, you know. But this thing goes so much deeper than that. And uh, it's, it's so important because then it affects also what comes later with your children's children. When, when he talks about crying us with love and compassion, we talk about the Father's love here a lot. And uh, one of the greatest revelations of my life was how deep we can experience the love of God. It's something we teach. We call that the Father's love. So most of you are familiar with that. If you come to my Life in the Spirit class and to other seminars and things we have, we talk about this, and Eddie Purick is one that was just sort of delved so deeply into this. But I just got to give a little testimony about this crying with love and compassion, because I don't want to pass it. I don't want to just say, I'll give you a pep talk, God loves you, now go out there and face it. There's, there's something much deeper here. When he says he crowned you with love and compassion, that, that crown is like an obvious thing, right? You know, if I get crowned, everybody sees it. I'm walking around with it, right? So... The way it actually practically works out is that the Lord has this offering of compassion for you that He wants to show you. He wants to release it to you. We see it in the various passages of the New Testament that are uh, so critical. And, and maybe one of the most important ones uh, to me has been Romans uh, chapter 8, verses 14 to 16. And uh, I feel like the Holy Spirit's got me on this. I just got to make sure I say this so well because I want you to know it's something we teach around here. We just want you to know the love of God is not just something that you do, but it's something you deeply experience. And if you really experience the love of God, it is cataclysmic. It will change everything about you. When the love of God, just even a little of it, touch your soul, so you actually begin to believe it, and there's an impartation of this, then guess what? 
you change completely. And your attitude toward Jesus and the benefits of what you see is coming from Jesus. And your confidence completely changes. The Lord wants to change us from the inside out. So when we get saved, how do you know when we got saved we had a little bit of change of view, right? So it was a pretty radical thing. You're, you're being born again. But listen to this. Romans 8, 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. Now, this is a teaching that many of us know, but these words are dramatic words. So when you receive the Spirit at salvation, this is what God wants for you. This, you brought about your adoption, and by him, we scream. That word, scream, is, is cry. Is, now, we just call out, but we scream, Abba, Father. In other words, what the experience of these, the early church must have been is this spirit of sonship. We get adopted. This is the same thing that we see here. Uh, you know, with regard to ground, God crowning us with love and compassion. See, crowning, it's obvious, right? So I think that uh, one of the deepest things I've learned in my walk with the Lord, and I want to return to it here, that it says here in verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's kids. And that word testifies is the word for martyr. It's a strong word. So what is in God is a strong testimony that we're God's kids, that we're a strong cry. That word cry, Abba, Father, is an animal scream. We cry, Abba, Father. So the testimony of the early church must have been experiences that not only were they saved and changed, but they knew that they were loved, they were beloved, that they were screamed, Abba, that the Spirit was testifying with their spirit. They were, they were uh, God's children. That word uh, testify comes from, is the same word for martyr. It's, it's a strong word. I'm going to tell you, and I was just thinking as uh, we were singing that song, uh, Change My Heart, O God, uh, make it ever, you know, I, I just, um, we have such an indebtedness to our movement because if there was anything that uh, has been released in our movement called the vineyard, it's this compassion word. The other word is worship. So we saw that. It's almost as if even prophetic people have told us there's two mighty angels presiding over the movement. One is the, God, the angel of worship and, and worship, and the other one is compassion, right? It's such a powerful thing. And so I didn't know a lot about that compassion. I've been working for the Lord, doing a lot overseas, traveling, but I never had encountered on a really deep level the mercy of God until one fine night at Eddie Peorick's house, and then one fine, a couple of days later, it was a, got a topper over at uh, John Wimber's office. And without even knowing, even, even understanding there was such a thing, God's love fell on me so strong as part of the inheritance of this movement. And uh, I, I've been in the Lord, I've been walking with the Lord, I'd sacrificed for the Lord, I ministered in the Lord, but when that, that really, that incredible week happened, which began earlier in the week and ended in the, later in the week, uh, I've never been the same. I got completely rewired. I didn't even know such a thing had happened. I've been very dutiful and responsible, walking with God, walking with God, you know, being obedient, you know, and everything, and, and trying to do my best and everything. But when the love hit, when this love that he describes here in the Psalm, see, it's, it's a big word. He crowned you with love and compassion. This, this is an experience in God. This is something that will shake you from one end of your life to the other. And that's why we teach it all the time. We call it the Father's love. I, I teach it you know, for several sessions in my Life in the Spirit class. We have special seminars on it. All with the design to help you understand that you're loved, but not just to talk you into it, but for you to be imparted this love. And I believe that our souls right now are so raw that we are way overdue <laughs> for a fresh impartation of this love. And this love will undo you. It will positively undo you. It will turn you upside down. It will make you see things so clearly. It will give you confidence. 
And this is the experience that God has. That's part of our experience with the Lord. That's what He does. And so we actually literally pray for people to receive this kind of compassion, especially at difficult times in our life. And I'm always looking for this kind of compassion for my life. Having tasted at one time, you never lose the taste. You never lose the taste. In the Christianity, in so many circles, there's a lot of religiosity and there's a lot of things and people talk about love. But I'm talking about a deeper inner thing that the early church must have experienced. We see it in Roman 8. He's, he's explaining again. He's talking to them about this salvation and, and what it means. He's talking to them in deep emotional language. And I never knew that until I had that deep emotional adoption. Well, I cry. I screamed, Abba, Father. I was messed up for days and weeks and still am. I never have recovered from the impartation of this crowning with love and compassion. But it's in the God. It's in the saints. And I just want to exhort all of you, go there as much as you can. Even today, we'll give you a space if you'd like to go there. Chris, I hope you have a song or two in you. If you could just lead us in that place. Because I believe there's about to be a boatload of compassion release. If you begin to feel tender in your heart, and you begin to cry, you begin to sense God's love for you, and just this sovereign touch of God, I believe that's what He has available to you. It's part of the benefits of knowing Jesus. And as far as I'm concerned, it's the main benefit. Because I tell you, His love, I think that's what we're going to experience in eternity. You can't describe it. You cannot contain it. You cannot hold it. It is so far beyond anything you could have. I mean, I've seen miracles. I've seen all kinds of crazy stuff happen supernaturally. And that you observe from out here. But this love I'm talking about comes from right here. It's extremely personal. God calls you by name. He crowns you with this. And it's part of what Psalms is talking about. Part of what was bought for us at the cross. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's Children, have you ever heard him speak like that to you? Have you ever felt that? Oh, wow. God's benefits. I'm kind of partial to that one. <laughs> All right, so I'm glad I didn't miss that. All right, last thing. Hebrews 4, <clears throat> 14 to 16. I want to read this. As part of our benefits, we have this ability to pray and to believe. But not just as anybody, but as amazing children of God, amazing authority, uh, with absolute confidence. All right? Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. We're going to end on this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Because of all of that, here's the thing. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Because of what Jesus did as our high priest, part of our benefit is this this wonderful ability to pray and believe. And I tell you, I can say that with my mouth, but this too is an experience. This is too, it's part of the greatest privilege of walking with God to watch God move mountains, to pray and to see it happen. And could I just exhort you on one little item in this that's extremely helpful in this process. Whenever you have an answer to prayer, write it down, post it on your refrigerator, post it around the house, remember it, hold on to it, because that answer to prayer will uh, give you faith for the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And even if you want to be really radical about it, when somebody else receives an answer to prayer in the same area that you need an answer, write that too on your refrigerator because God's an equal opportunity employer. Do <laughs> you understand? This is part of what we have. It's part of our benefits that we can actually pray, that we can actually approach God's throne of grace with confidence so I might refine 
mercy and find grace to help me in my time of need. Anybody need any mercy or grace today? This is part of your inheritance. It's part of the benefits. I have access. I have full access. When I step into that place and I say, my father, he's listening to everything I have to say. And he's not just sort of up there going, ah, hurry up. <laughs> everything, as a matter of fact, he would like you to even say, now tell me a little more specifically. The more specific you are, the better. The more you remember, the better. Because when it happens, then you get, so your faith builds up. And you go after the next one and the next one. One of the greatest privileges you have, one of the greatest benefits of knowing Jesus is praying. So, well, that's just for those people. They're kind of weird, those people. They call them intercessors, you know. Well, I don't know what to say about that. Just listen. Ask God for specific stuff. And I ask Him for everything imaginable. I pray about the weather. It's been pretty good. I do. I pray. I pray ridiculous. I pray so much for my own comfort. It's ridiculous. I mean, I, I ask him for everything. I think most of it's legal. I prayed for the angels. It didn't work too well out last night, but great the night before. And then sometimes I don't know whether I pray for the Dodgers or the angels. I get confused there. I get conflicted, right? But all stuff, I pray for all kinds of things. It's part of my inheritance. It's part of my benefit. And if Jesus actually answers prayer, then I write it down. I hold on to it. I say, oh, I remember when you did that. And if somebody else gets an answer to prayer in the same way, I go, oh, I'm holding on to that. Because if you got it, why wouldn't you give that to me? Oh, because you're special and spiritual. No. You got an answer, I get an answer. That's the way it works. And your kids, it's the same way. We all know that, right, with our kids? Have kids 10 minutes, man. They're competing for everything. You give something to Junior over here, Sis over here really needs that too. I mean, nobody gets away. I mean, they keep score in your family. Right? So I encourage you, keep score. <laughs> Chris gets something, write it down. <laughs> hey, somebody gets a job promotion? That's me. That's me. That's what I've wanted. That's what I wanted. I take that for me. Does that sound ridiculous? On the outside, it sounds ridiculous, but this is part of the benefit of, of, of knowing Jesus. We see it here. We see it here. We don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And God helps us all around. When you hear an answer to a prayer for someone, you take it for yourself. Pray about everything. Leave nothing to chance. Sit on your prayers like a mother hen would eggs. That's what I do. I feel like I'm hatching things all the time. I'm sitting on, watching that one hatch. Oh, there's movement. There we go. Okay, here we go. Come on now. Come on now. This is the way it is. I live like this. And it's such a nice lifestyle. We forget what God does for us in 10 minutes sometimes. Don't forget His benefits because it will do you good for the next thing you need. And the next thing. And the next thing. And the next thing. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. I just think there's two things that we could do at the altar today. And I'm just going to give a yes. I'm going to have... Ah, you don't have to come up to the front. Maybe you're still a little worried about COVID or whatever, so it's okay if you want to stay in your seat. But if you would like to come up and respond, I think it'd be pretty easy to do. And here's two things that I'm going to ask the Lord to do. Maybe we'll have a few people laying hands on us a little bit too and praying for each other. So the first thing is I'm going to ask you to get a taste of this love I'm talking about. Supernatural love. I never got over that encounter with God. And uh, I had a dramatic encounter with the love of God. 
1989, and I'm still not over it. That's how powerful. This is like an earthquake through your soul. And I just thought, man, maybe some people just need a little bit of love from God, maybe a lot from our Father. So let's just ask Him, Lord, would you please, as I'm worshiping, fill me with love? Okay? That's one thing. And the second thing is, why don't you just come boldly to ask for what you need? Just be bold. Before you leave today, just make sure you set it all. Some people talk about praying through. You know what praying through means? You just said everything that you needed to say about that <laughs> before the Lord. You didn't leave any details out, you know. <laughs> you know, when you were a kid and you wanted that bike, bicycle from your parents, you didn't just have any old bicycle. You had it laid out, you know. I want this color. I want this one. You scattered it out in the store. <laughs> That's the way God wants us to be with Him. What is it that you want? What? What kind of husband do you want? What kind of wife do you want? What kind of job do you want? I want this, this, and this. Specific. God's fatherly like that. All right? So two things in response to that. I just encourage you to respond. You don't have to spend all day. Just a moment. Because you're remembering God's benefit. So number one thing. I, I, I think there is some love business going on here. And as Chris sings, just say, Father, please, just fill me with your compassion. I've been a little lonely lately. I've been fearful. The second thing is, while you're in this place, ask boldly. And if you need to go, which some of you do now, feel free to go. Just kind of go quietly this time. Plenty of talk. We have a great big tent. You can talk to your friends out there, refreshments out there, all kinds of stuff. But I think this is a little special moment here for these two things. 
And I believe out of this is going to come some wonderful grace over our lives. So, Lord, I just ask you, bring your love and bring your prayers forward. And I pray we'd see amazing answers to prayer this this week just because we asked. Amen.